All right, welcome to the Sunday after Christmas. If your family was anything, oh, this is heavier than I thought it would be. If your family is anything like mine, uh, you got up before the sun yesterday to see what Santa brought. You did not get a nap. And of course, you stayed up way too late again last night. So here we are all tired, uh, heavy eyes, and you're stuck listening to me for the next half hour. So sorry about that. But I'll try to keep it short today. As we finish up this December of finding Christmas, I want to leave you with a thought uh, in your head as we head into the, ne- to the new year. Uh, this month, as we've been finding Christmas, Chris has talked about how Jesus coming to save the lost uh, has come to save the lost. Uh, finding Christmas, we find that our Savior is worth celebrating, and last week we talked about the importance of telling the story of Jesus. But today, I don't want to bury my lead. Uh, I don't want to spend the next 20 minutes leading up to my point, so I'm just going to give it to you up front, and we're going to work from there. Uh, My goal today is to remind you that when we find Christmas, we find out that God is truly faithful to his promises. Maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you've really never thought about how, because of Jesus, we can trust that God is faithful to his promises. Maybe because life is full of ups and downs, Uh, And unfortunately, some of us have experienced more downs than ups. Uh, We may have forgotten that that God is a promise keeper. I don't know, maybe uh, you've never heard of that, or maybe it's a surprise to you to learn that on this day. Uh, So we're going to talk about that this morning. And speaking of learning new things, um, there's this internet trend, right? Okay, Um, those of us who are on the internet, we know of certain trends. Uh, There's this newer one. Uh, over the last few years, it's kind of called Today I Learned or uh, I Was Today Years Old When. And so the idea is that there's, there's uh, maybe sometimes uh, we learn things a little bit too old in life. Um, and it's kind of broken down into three maybe categories uh, that, that you learn something new about on the internet. Uh, maybe it's an obscure fact. Maybe it's a simple fact that just makes more sense after you learn it. Or... Maybe you learn how an everyday everyday item actually works. You know all those random things that you have in your utility drawer at home, but you have no idea how they work. There's videos on the internet that will show you how that little thing works. Uh, but, But to the point is that there's a surprise in being however old you are and learning something shockingly new, like this. Did you know that Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, and some random thing called a kohlrabi, all come from the same plant? They're the exact same thing. plant. Interesting. Um, or what about this? Maybe the fact that um, because they spend the majority of their lives on sea ice, polar bears are classified as marine animals. Like uh, dolphins, seals, or whales. Weird, huh? I'm like, that's not a seal. That's not a dolphin. But there you go. Or maybe this one. Maybe you are today years old when you discovered that the letter A is not in any of the spe- spelling of any of the numbers 1 through 100. Like, weird. Like, maybe you're thinking about that right now. Like, well, you count like 20, 30, 40. Yeah, A is not in any of those words. It's crazy. Or maybe you were today years old when you learned that Chuck E. Cheese's full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. What? <laughs> that is his name. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Weird. Or how about this? Maybe you've learned 
uh, you're today years old when you've learned that Mountain Dew is basically just orange juice. Just orange juice, right? It's, and that's a good thing for me. I drink a lot of Mountain Dew, so it can go well with my breakfast. It's, uh, it's just orange juice. It's, health, it's healthy. If, it's, if I just think of it as a healthy breakfast orange juice, it's healthy, right? Or maybe uh, you learned this like I did after Christmas, after you decorated the tree already. Here's a video I want to show you. Here's something I wish I knew before I was in my 30s how you're actually supposed to put lights on the Christmas tree. You do not wrap around. You go up and down. Up. Down. Up. It works, right? Because this is me every Christmas. I do the, like, going around the tree, and you're, like, trying to deal with the thing, with the things, and you're just like, I wish I would have seen this video in November when we decorated the tree. Because there are countless things that we learn in this journey we call life. Unfortunately, for some of us, it takes a little bit longer to figure it out than others. Uh, all of this new discovery had me thinking, uh, which Sheena will tell you, me thinking is dangerous. Um, but I've been thinking, and maybe thinking about, are we missing, as we've been missing Jesus in the last month and finding Christmas this month, I've been thinking, I wonder if God's faithfulness has taken us a little too long to figure out. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today, God's faithfulness. So if you will, open with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 1. That's where we're going to be a little bit this morning. And go ahead and maybe uh, put your ribbon or bookmark or whatever you've got into Matthew chapter 17 as well. Those are two places that we'll be this morning. Uh, Derek read for us earlier, but we're going to read it again. Uh, here at the beginning of Hebrew chapter 1, the writer is going to make a bold proclamation that is, it's a pretty big deal. What he says is a pretty big deal here. And uh, I think it's really important as we go forward this morning to look at it again, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his wonderful word, when he had made purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The beauty of this opening idea in the book of Hebrews is that it is a reminder that God has done everything he said he would do. But since the beginning of time, God has been present in this world, often speaking in various ways. Think back to Genesis chapter 1 and his, uh, as he speaks through his spirit. And then in whatever bodily form it would have looked like in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And then later as a voice to Abraham. Then as a burning bush and a cloud on the mountaintop to Moses. Then a gentle whisper to Elijah. Then again, time and time again to the prophets. God present and speaking to his people. But what is really important to the writer here is that God has now spoken through Jesus. God has now, everything God has to say from now on has been spoken through Jesus. So I want to take you really quick to a mountaintop experience and point out the importance of this. So flip over with me to Matthew chapter 17. 
we're going to go through this, and as we read this, we're going to stop and pause, and I'll talk about a few things. Uh, but Matthew chapter 17 start, says, starts here. Um, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Now this is a big moment if you're maybe the original audience reading this, because if you know your Hebrew scriptures, your mind should kind of go back and be thinking, oh, I, I know of another figure where his face was shining brilliantly. And that figure is Moses, right? Back in Exodus 34, uh, this mountaintop experience that Moses is having with God. And in this moment, this is where God in Exodus chapter 34 reveals his true nature to Moses. And in 34, 6, it says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is revealing to Moses who he is. In that same chapter, he's going to renew his covenant with Moses. A little bit later in 34, starting verse 10, he says, I hereby make a covenant before all your people. I will perform marvels such as I have not performed in all the earth, or in any nation, and all the people among whom you live shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Then as Moses comes down the mountain, and every time after that Moses meets with God, he shines with uh, this light. Uh, scripture tells us that the Israelites would see the face of Moses and that the skin of his face was shining. So there's this clear connection that I think Matthew is making to when God met and spoke with and through Moses. Continuing on in uh, Matthew, verse 3, it says, Suddenly there appeared to them Moses, Elijah, talking with him. So this is a big moment as well, right? These uh, Moses and Elijah show up on the mountain. So I think what Matthew is trying to accomplish here, uh, when you think about uh, Moses, uh, the original here, when they would have thought about Moses, they would have thought about the law. There was this deep connection where Moses represents the law. Uh, when the Israelites thought about how God spoke to them through their Torah, through their law, they would naturally associate that with Moses. And Elijah would represent the prophets. As Israel you know, ebbed and flowed as a nation, God would speak to them through his prophets. So think about this again. In light of what the Hebrew writer said, God spoke in many ways and through the prophets. Verse 4. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Again, Peter's always eager, right? Peter is super eager. He's always ready to jump and do something uh, crazy. Here in this moment, he wants to build some tents, or better yet, a tabernacle. That's a big word, right? Tabernacle. But if we're, we know our Hebrew Bible, we know that there's a connection point with God and tents and tabernacles. Peter is in the midst of Yahweh, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and he wants to build a dwelling place for them. He's ever mindful of the significance of God and tabernacles. Even thinking about the Feast of Shelters, which was a celebration that they had to celebrate God dwelling with them in a tent. But this is where it gets interesting. Verse 5. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This 
is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. What, what, the Hebrew, what did the Hebrew writer say? Let's think about that again. Back in ver, verse, chapter 1 of Hebrews, he said that God has spoken in many different ways and in history, but now he speaks through Jesus. The writer says this, he says, He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Jesus is the fully realized embodiment of God on this earth. Author Brian Zahn puts it this way, he says, God is like Jesus, God has always been like Jesus, there has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We may not have always known it or recognized it or seen what God was like, but now we do. For generation after generation, the people of God did their best to understand God through the words of the law, the words of the prophets, and occasionally a talking donkey or a burning bush. But the revelation that Jesus is the perfect representation of God on earth is category shattering for the people then, and my hope is category shattering for us now. It is one of those, I was today years old kind of moments where you thought everything was one way, but then you figure out that it's not the way you thought it was. And it shatters your mind and expectations. It should awaken us to realize that God has shown himself in exactly who he is through Jesus. And goodness gracious, we should listen to him. Right? We should listen to Jesus. Both the Hebrew writer there in chapter 1 and Matthew here in chapter 17 and earlier in Matthew chapter 3, make the point that Jesus is the very Son of God. And this is mind-blowing to the people listening to it for the first time. Because Israel had always been the Son of God, but now that Son is Jesus who has come on a mission to save and rescue humanity from itself. Let's wrap up this mountain moment Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them and saying, get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself. Jesus is the only one left. Jesus is the only one worthy of listening to and following. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. That Son of Man phrase is meant to connect Jesus to the Son of Man figure in Daniel uh, chapter 7 and to what the Hebrew writer says about Jesus taking his place at the right hand of majesty. Verse 10, and the disciples asked him, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come? Excuse me, come first. He replied, Elijah is indeed come, coming and will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but they did to him whatever they pleased, and, the son, and also the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them about John the Baptist. And now listen, we could spend a month really kind of breaking all of this down, unpacking the illusions, the connections in this moment, but what I want you to hang on is the revelation that Jesus is the very Son of God. And that for the Hebrew writer, it means that he is exactly the representation of God embodied on this earth. 
And your question is, why does any of that matter? Why does any of that matter? Well, I believe it's because of who Jesus is. We know that God is faithful to his promise to be with us. Because of who Jesus is, we can trust that God is faithful to his promise to be with us. I love this image. It shows up uh, every Christmas season. I start seeing it more and more. Uh, This beautiful picture of Mary carrying the snake crusher because the snake has entangled itself around humanity and Mary carries God within her to fulfill the promises he made to humanity long ago. God could have ended this human experiment when mankind constantly chooses himself over him, but he doesn't. He endures. He, as the scripture tells us, has made humanity in his image. He gives us the breath of life, and he's blessed humanity. Because of that, and despite our desire to mess things up over and over, listen, God gets pretty frustrated with us, right? If you've ever read the scriptures, God gets pretty frustrated with his creation. There are times it seems like he's ready to turn out the lights, close the doors, and say, I'm done with it all. But every time he is reminded that he has made a promise to humanity. He has made a promise, and he will see it through. Part of that promise we find in Genesis chapter 17, where he meets a man named Abraham, and he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Cana for perpetual holding, and I will be their God. God has made a promise to be with us, to be near us, to be present with us. The Hebrew writer sees that nearness as God speaking through the prophets and in various ways up until a specific point in history. Up until what Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Hebrew writer sees that in Jesus, the one who is the exact likeness of Yahweh, that God has kept his promise to be our God and to be with his creation. So as we wind down this Christmas season, and we've spent all month trying to find Christmas, my prayer for you today, for those of you who joined us. My prayer for you is this. If you haven't known it yet, if you haven't known it today, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, God is a keeper of his promise to be with us, and we find that promise come to reality in the personhood of Jesus, who is the exact likeness of God, who has come to earth indeed to show us that God is with us. And that's a big deal. And my hope is that this gives you rest, that this gives you hope as you head into this new year. We have no idea what 2022 is going to hand us, right? It's been a hard last two years, amen? I mean, it has been hard. My hope and my prayer is that you will trust that God is good, 
that you will trust that he made a promise long, long ago not to abandon us and that Jesus is proof that he is with us each and every day. So that is my hope for you. I pray that you find comfort in Yahweh's presence through the life that Jesus provides. As we wrap up this morning, if there's anything that you need, um, the worries on your heart, um, the struggles that you're facing, the hope that you have moving forward, if there's anything that we can do for you, if you need prayers, there'll be an elder at our prayer room in the lobby in the back, or you can find one of the staff members who's here today or one of our other elders who are here. We'd love just to talk with you, to pray with you, whatever it may be. But my hope, again, my prayer is that you know that God is faithful to his promise and that he is with you and that he is with us. Let's stand together and sing.